Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Monday, October 11th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, it's Indigenous Peoples Day. More and more local governments are making it official. But why did we start celebrating Columbus Day to begin with? Plus, the impressive and gnarly competition to be crowned Miss Navajo Nation. And the history of National Coming Out Day, including the connection between pride celebrations and Halloween. It's a long episode today with a record number of presidential proclamations, so buckle up for this holiday of holidays as I share some of the cool things from the news today. On Friday afternoon, President Biden became the very first U.S. president to issue a presidential proclamation of Indigenous Peoples Day, writing, quote, For generations, federal policies systematically sought to assimilate and displace Native people and eradicate Native cultures. Today, we recognize Indigenous peoples' resilience and strength, as well as the immeasurable positive impact that they have made on every aspect of American society. End quote. And here is a bit of background on Indigenous Peoples Day from NPR. Quote, the idea was first proposed by Indigenous peoples at a United Nations conference in 1977, set to address discrimination against natives. But South Dakota became the first state to replace Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day in 1989, officially celebrating it the following year. Biden's proclamation signifies a formal adoption of a day that a growing number of states and cities have come to acknowledge. Last week, Boston joined Arizona, Oregon, Texas, Louisiana, Washington, D.C., and several other states in dedicating a second Monday in October to Indigenous Peoples Day. Native Americans have bared the brunt of the work to make that happen. Many state and local governments have gone a step further. More than a dozen states and well over 100 cities celebrate the day, with many of them having altogether dropped the holiday honoring Columbus to replace it with Indigenous Peoples Day, end quote. But a lot of Italian Americans specifically aren't too happy about Columbus Day being taken off the calendar. And National Geographic ran a good piece this morning diving a bit deeper into why. So October 12th was the day in 1492 that Italian Christopher Columbus and his crew spotted the now American continents. Most likely, they landed at Guanahani, as it was known to its Lucayan residents. Columbus called it San Salvador. And this discovery was commemorated in the United States going all the way back to its founding in 1776, but it wasn't really celebrated except by Catholic and Italian immigrants to the states, mostly on the East Coast. And for them, quoting National Geographic, Columbus represented their indelible contribution to a society that viewed both Catholics and Italian Americans with suspicion. End quote. And that suspicion started turning increasingly violent throughout the 19th century. Quoting further, Beginning in the 1880s, Italian immigrants began pouring into the U.S. in search of opportunity and a better life. But the new arrivals were not welcomed by all. Maligned as sinister and criminal, Italian immigrants were the focus of increasing bigotry. In 1890, anti-Italian sentiment boiled over in New Orleans after police chief David Hennessy, reputed for his arrests of Italian Americans, was murdered. In the aftermath, more than a hundred Sicilian Americans were arrested. When nine were tried and acquitted in March 1891, a furious mob rioted and broke into the city prison where they beat, shot, and hanged at least 11 Italian American prisoners. None of the rioters who lynched the Italian Americans were prosecuted, and it remains the largest mass lynching in the nation's history. 
The brutal killings created tit-for-tat tensions between the U.S. and Italy, which called for reparations for the murders. At first, the U.S. refused, prompting Italy to recall its ambassador and cut off diplomatic relations. The U.S. reciprocated. But eventually, in an attempt to appease Italy and acknowledge the contributions of Italian Americans on the 400th anniversary of Columbus's arrival, President Benjamin Harrison in 1892 proclaimed a nationwide celebration of Discovery Day, recognizing Columbus as the pioneer of progress and enlightenment. Eventually, the nations mended their relationship and the U.S. paid $25,000 in reparations. End quote. Discovery Day wouldn't become a national holiday until 1934, when President Franklin Roosevelt signed it into effect after decades of organizing by Italian-American advocates. And it was still celebrated on actual October 12th until 1971, when Congress changed it to be the second Monday in October. But as National Geographic put it, quote, Columbus Day celebrated Italians, but for many with indigenous ancestry, it was a slap in the face. A celebration of invasion, theft, brutality, and colonization. Columbus and his crew enabled and perpetrated the kidnapping, enslavement, forced assimilation, rape, and sexual abuse of Native people, including children. The Native American population shrank by about half after European contact. For indigenous Americans, the landing celebrated by some as a triumphant discovery was the beginning of an incursion onto land that had long been their home. End quote. The push to get rid of Columbus Day, to change it to a day celebrating indigenous peoples or make it a day of reconciliation, goes back as far as the 1960s with the advent of the Pan-Indian and Red Power movements. For years, it was an uphill battle, but in the last decade, more and more cities and states have begun acknowledging Indigenous Peoples Day either in place of or in addition to Columbus Day. And now, for the first time, a U.S. president has formally acknowledged Indigenous Peoples Day. Though, President Biden did also issue a proclamation about Columbus Day, and in it, he acknowledged Columbus and his contemporaries' expeditions, as well as the many contributions of Italian-Americans over the years and today. He additionally said in the proclamation, quote, We also acknowledge the painful history of wrongs and atrocities that many European explorers inflicted on tribal nations and indigenous communities. It is a measure of our greatness as a nation that we do not seek to bury these shameful episodes of our past, that we face them honestly, that we bring them to the light, and we do all we can to address them. For Native Americans, Western exploration ushered in a wave of devastation. Violence perpetrated against Native communities, displacement and theft of tribal homelands, the introduction and spread of disease, and more. On this day, we recognize this painful past and recommit ourselves to investing in Native communities, upholding our solemn and sacred commitments to tribal sovereignty, and pursuing a brighter future centered on dignity, respect, justice, and opportunity for all. End quote. Given the history of why Columbus Day is celebrated, and that it's not just honoring a single man with a very different legacy to different people, but that it was also about making amends with an oppressed group of people, makes it slightly more complicated than it seems at first look. As 19-year-old Arizonan Dylan Baca, who was instrumental in the White House's proclamation happening this year, put it to NPR, quote, Italian-American culture is important, and I think there are other times and places to recognize that. But I think it's also important to recognize the history of Columbus Day itself. Should we recognize a man whose labors killed children and decimated the Native American population here? I don't think that's something we want to be honored, end quote. 
And Oregon State Representative Tana Sanchez, who was instrumental in replacing Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day in that state, said, quote, I don't know that we'll ever get to a place where people have their land back or have the recognition of who they are to the degree that we need to or should. But the fact that people are paying attention at this very moment, that's important because we will have a greater opportunity to educate people and help them understand why we're here where we are right now. History is always written by the conqueror. How do we actually tell the truth about what happened and where we sit this very moment? How do we go forward from here? End quote. Since 1952, the Navajo Nation has been running an annual pageant to crown Miss Navajo. But it's unlike most beauty pageants you hear about. This one is six days long. The winning crown comes with a one-year paid government job, and one of the competitive events is butchering a sheep. As this year's winner, Niagara Rockbridge, put it, quote, Miss Navajo Nation is the ultimate Navajo woman. It is the ultimate competition because it is really testing the inner and outer strength of the contestant. Can you imagine Miss USA or Miss Universe butchering a sheep? End quote. I really can't. And it's apparently a fairly steep barrier of entry even within the Navajo Nation these days. In 2019, the pageant saw only two entrants, and this year there were three. Back in its heyday, there used to be dozens of contestants. It was also a more typical beauty pageant, with contestants wearing traditional dress and being judged by a plaza meter. But as the Los Angeles Times put it, quote, Back then, before there were many supermarkets on the reservation, butchering was a common skill, and Navajo was widely spoken. As the language and traditions began to fade, the pageant took on new meaning and urgency. In a matrilineal society where women are revered as keepers of knowledge, Ms. Navajo Nation came to represent the ideals of traditional womanhood. Women have a respected position in our culture, said Sonny Klachischilagi, a Navajo member and journalist. Not only do they give life, they perpetuate life and knowledge for us. Over the years, more events were added, including rug and basket weaving, knowledge of the language, preparation of traditional food, and a business interview competition. The addition of sheep butchering in 1996 was a nod to the importance of the animal in Navajo culture. Aside from the wool, meat, and milk they provide, sheep figure prominently in songs, prayers, and sacred ceremonies of the Diné, as the Navajo call themselves, end quote. The sheep butchering was a long process, with intricate steps hewing to tradition and judges walking around with clipboards asking questions at every turn. With its setting inside of a big white tent and strict time limits for each portion, it reminded me a bit of a gnarly version of Great British Bake Off. But the pageant includes so much more. After butchering, the contestants prepared Navajo tea and several traditional dishes for the judges. On another day, they were grilled with questions about Navajo policy and performed talents like singing and wiring an outlet for a small, masked audience in the auditorium, as well as tens of thousands of people watching online. The next day, they shadowed the current Miss Navajo on her packed day of school visits and community events. As I said, the title of Miss Navajo Nation comes with a one-year paid government job. Quoting again from the LA Times, She works out of the president's office as an ambassador of culture and goodwill, gets a house in Window Rock, the tribal capital, as well as a small administrative staff, a college scholarship, and a car and driver when available. End quote. It's a role that took on particular importance during the pandemic, when the former winner, Shandine Parrish, worked a second term, mostly helping to deliver food, personal protective equipment, and more to homes and community centers across the 27,000-acre reservation. 
The pandemic has also what inspired some of this year's contestants to compete. COVID-19 killed over 1,400 of the 200,000 residents on the reservation, and Rockbridge said, quote, Many of those who died were our knowledge and wisdom keepers. We have lost lives, but we still have strength within us. I want to help preserve and revitalize our language and traditional way of life, end quote. And now, as the 2021 winner, Rockbridge will have an incredible opportunity to do just that as she begins her one year of service. And if you want to follow more Indigenous people and stories, a few recommendations. First, I have thoroughly been enjoying Reservation Dogs on FX and Hulu. It follows four Indigenous teenagers in rural Oklahoma on their misadventures of trying to save up to move to California. It was co-created by Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi. And if you want a podcast to listen to, check out All My Relations, in which Matika Wilbur and Desi Small-Rodriguez discuss topics facing Native American peoples today. And former co-host of that show, Adrian Keene, runs an excellent blog called Native Appropriations, and she has a new book coming out this month called Notable Native People, which will profile 50 indigenous changemakers from the past and present. All of the above folks are great follows on social media to help you discover even more awesome indigenous people and creative projects, but I will also throw out one more. Actor and activist Dallas Goldtooth is an excellent person to follow, especially on Instagram. Links to all of the aforementioned are in the show notes. So while Columbus Day was moved from October 12th to the second Monday in October, whatever date that may be each year, there's another holiday that is always on a fixed date, meaning that we're getting a big combo day of everything this Monday. So today, October 11th, is National Coming Out Day, an LGBTQ plus awareness day to support people who are coming out of the closet, have come out of the closet, or maybe aren't able to just yet. Quoting the 19th, National Coming Out Day can trace its roots back to October 11th, 1987, the date of the March on Washington for lesbian and gay rights. The march, held between October 8th to 13th, was the second queer march on the Capitol. This one aimed to draw attention to the federal government's inaction in confronting the AIDS crisis and the Supreme Court's 1986 ruling upholding Georgia's anti-gay sodomy law. The march marked the unveiling of the AIDS memorial quilt, a massive patchwork honoring those lost to the virus, and at the time, an unprecedented show of support for gay rights. More than half a million people showed up to demand their rights that fall. Two activists, Rob Eichberg and Gina O'Leary, recognized the power of that momentum. So in 1988, on the one-year anniversary, they organized the first National Coming Out Day, which quickly gained national prominence. O'Leary and Eichberg decided to organize the day with a dual purpose in mind. They wanted to give people the safety of a community experience to be themselves, but they also saw the political power in coming out. Like the gay rights leader Harvey Milk, they believed that straight people would find it easier to discriminate against a faceless community. Shunning your own gay brother, sister, daughter, or friend would prove harder. If people came out, the country would be forced to confront the movement. End quote. Of course, today, as reporter Kate Sosa noted, quote, as queer people gained the right to marry and increasing protections from discrimination, the day is increasingly fraught. Some resent the concept of coming out at all, saying that it over-normalizes heterosexuality. Others find the day to be an agonizing exercise for those unable to be out as LGBTQ+, end quote. 
And as Eric Marcus, founder and host of the Making Gay History podcast, pointed out to Sosin, this day has become more important for trans and non-binary people, especially youth, in part because, quote, virtually everyone in America knows someone who's gay at this point. You really have to work hard not to know someone gay, end quote. Virtually everyone may know someone who's gay, but that doesn't equate to all gay Americans, let alone all trans and non-binary Americans, having equal protections under the law or equal experiences of the world. President Biden noted this in yet another presidential proclamation this morning, this time for National Coming Out Day. He wrote, quote, Despite the extraordinary progress our nation has made, our work to ensure the full promise of equality is not yet done. Anti-LGBTQ plus bills still proliferate in state legislatures. Bullying and harassment, particularly of young transgender Americans and LGBTQ plus people of color, still abounds, diminishing our national character. We must continue to stand together against these acts of hate and stand up to protect the rights, opportunities, physical safety, and mental health of LGBTQ plus people everywhere. From defeating discriminatory bills to passing the Equality Act, we have more work to do to ensure that every American can live free of fear, harassment, and discrimination because of who they are or whom they love. End quote. All true and important sentiments, but you may be wondering, why is National Coming Out Day in October and not in June for Pride Month? Yes, it was based on the date of the March on Washington, but why was that not in June? And here in the U.S., October is LGBT History Month, but doesn't the LGBTQ plus community already have a month in June? Well, the answer to all of those questions is my favorite answer of all time, Halloween. See, back in the second half of the 20th century, Halloween was increasingly a huge event in gay communities. There were a lot of reasons for that. It's a fun time. Getting dressed up can be a way to explore and express your identity in ways that you maybe can't day to day. And bars were often LGBTQ plus community hubs by necessity, so of course a big party night for bars would be a big night in the gay scene. And there's also the fact that in the era of cross-dressing laws, many police departments informally lifted the restriction on Halloween meaning that people, especially trans and gender nonconforming people, could dress as themselves, or however the heck they wanted, without risking arrest. Drag balls, especially in communities of color that had been running them since about the 20s, were particularly popular. So Halloween became a huge party night in urban LGBTQ plus communities. And I might dive more into all of this at another time, but to make a long story short, for a while there, Halloween was when the Pride celebrations were really happening. The party version of Pride that we're familiar with today, that is. That's because June, after the Stonewall riots in 1969, that was a time for protest. That was marching and demonstrating, fighting for rights, not celebrating. Halloween was for celebrating. And so that's one reason, at least, why in North America especially, you kind of get a mixed bag of some of the big flagship LGBTQ observances happening in June and some happening in October. You know, June is Pride, but October is LGBT History Month, National Coming Out Day, Spirit Day, Asexual Awareness Week, Intersex Awareness Day, Lesbian Day, and the start of November is Trans Awareness Week, culminating in Trans Day of Remembrance. It's a lot of days and weeks and months, yes. Everyone and everything seems to have a holiday or awareness period these days. And even activists pushing for Indigenous Peoples Day will be the first to tell you that simply having the day isn't some kind of immediate solution. But what it is, is a step. 
It's an acknowledgement that the population being recognized deserves to be included, to be supported and protected. It's an opportunity for people from that population to get some extra attention on their stories and policy proposals. As Mandy Van Hovelen, the cultural interpreter coordinator at the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian, said to NPR about the Presidential Proclamation for Indigenous Peoples Day, quote, What these changes accomplish, piece by piece, is visibility for Native people in the United States. Until Native people are fully seen in our society and in everyday life, we can't accomplish those bigger changes. As long as Native people remain invisible, it's much easier for people to look past those real issues and those real concerns within those communities. End quote. Okay, I know this has been a super long episode, mostly about how many different holidays we're holding space for at once today in the U.S., but I have one more holiday for you. Today is also the International Day of the Girl. It's a U.N. observance that was started in 2012 to raise awareness about gender inequality faced by girls around the world, including to access to education and healthcare and protection from violence, discrimination, and other abuses. And if you want to learn more and support Day of the Girl, you can check out the nonprofit She's the First, which is organizing a campaign this year called Girls Get Loud, in which girls from around the world are taking over celebrities' social media pages to share their own stories to huge audiences. So go check them out at the link in the show notes. But that is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. 